If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Today, Chowchilla, California is still an agricultural town, but it's growing. It's home to about 19,000 people, mostly ranch families, but that also includes the inmate populations of two state prisons. There are football games on Fridays, churches line the streets, and children skate through the parks. Although the school bus kidnapping happened 45 years ago, after exploring the downtown area and taking in the vast landscape of fields and farms, I feel like the crime still weighs on the town. I wanted to see how much the people there remembered about that July day back in 1976. And on one of my trips to Chowchilla, I met with Stacy Wisner. She's the town's community outreach manager. That's still on our mind because the unspeakable did happen. Diana Palmer, the mayor of Chowchilla, agrees. Unfortunately, that is what our small town is known for. However, the town is so much more. It should be known for its hometown values and for the people that come together. And we really do have an amazing community here. Stacy and Mayor Palmer walked me over to a monument dedicated to the survivors. It's a big granite slab outside the city's police department in the downtown area. There's a plaque set on the big sturdy rock. It says, quote, with heartfelt thanks, the people of Chowchilla commemorate the safe return of 26 school children and their bus driver who were abducted July 15, 1976, and who escaped unharmed 30 hours later. There's a list of the names of everyone on the bus that day, the 26 students and their bus driver, Ed Ray. The names are listed below an engraving of the school bus itself. The school bus kidnapping definitely was something that made Chowchilla known nationwide. But for the people who live here and the people that are part of the community, it was just another example of how everyone pulled together, how we don't give up. Mayor Palmer told me Ed Ray is still considered the town hero. And every February 26th, the whole town celebrates Ed Ray Day. February 26th was Ed's birthday. We celebrate that day because he was the one who led the kids out of the bus, who cared for them, who really supported them while they were in that dark hole all alone. This really surprised me. Two months after the kidnapping, Ed Ray was back at work, driving the very same school bus that had been hijacked, Dairyland's bus number one, until he finally retired in 1988. A few years later, he bought the bus for $500 to save it from the junkyard, keeping it in a barn on his farm before eventually donating it to a local museum. I often wondered about Ed's attachment to that bus and if he used to sit inside it and relive that awful night. 
Maybe he just decided keeping the bus safe, protecting it, would always be his responsibility. Over the years, Ed stayed in touch with some of the children who were on his bus that fateful day. He was married to the same woman for more than 70 years, and he raised his own family in Chowchilla. According to his granddaughter, in 2012, Ed Ray died of complications of cirrhosis at the age of 91. Here's Diana Palmer. Being reminded of that spirit and how important he was for those children at that time is um, just critical that we remember. On February 26, 2015, the town dedicated a park to Ed Ray. That bus driver, Mr. Edward Ray, became a hero, not just here in our local communities of Chowchilla and Dairyland, but across the nation. At this time, I'd like to introduce to you Jody Heffington, who was on the Dairyland bus number one with Edward that terrible day. And Jody has some personal words she'd like to share with you about Edward. Jody Heffington Medrano was one of the children on the bus that day. When people talk about how sometimes someone's like glue because they keep a group of people together, keep them in touch, that was Jody. She was known for being outspoken. She had a real big personality. Sadly, she died about a year ago on January 30th, 2021. But her words were captured at the Ed Ray Park dedication. This was Jody that day. I first want to say thank you to the city of Chowchilla for dedicating this park to Edward and his name. We all loved Edward. We call ourselves uh, Edward's 26. I feel that none of us kids would be here today alive and well if it wasn't for Edward. I think that they'd still be looking for us. I don't believe that we would ever have been found. I believe that with all my heart. I also believe that Edward was a true hero keeping us safe and making sure that we felt safe. He didn't boast about it. He didn't go around saying, well, I did this and I did that. No, Edward was a quiet man, and I guarantee you he would be very humbled by this gathering and this name of this park. I hope that people understand we're just honoring a humble, true hero that shows everyone that if you work together, you can survive anything. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. Edward loved everything about Chowchilla, and now he will be remembered for years to come. Jennifer Brown Hyde could not make the park dedication, but she sent a letter that was read on her and her brother Jeff's behalf. Tragically, Jeff was killed in a farming accident just five years after the kidnapping and he was only 15. Jennifer's letter read, quote, look in the dictionary and you'll find the definition of the word hero. Our local definition of a hero is one single word, Edward. But there were other heroes that day. I think a lot of people would say that we are very blessed that Mike Marshall was born. He is my hero to this day. Do you know I have never met him as an adult. I have never met Mike, and I want to really bad, but then again, I'm kind of afraid to meet him because Mike is just larger than life to me. It's like, what if I, what if I meet him and I get tongue-tied? What if I, you know, what if I don't measure up to Mike? <laughs> you know, it's like. That was Larry Park, who was one of the younger kids on the bus. He was just six. 
And he writes a lot about Mike in his book, The Chowchilla Kidnapping, Why Me? And as he read from his book when I visited him at his home tucked in the hills of Mariposa, California, I got a clear picture of just how grateful Larry is to Mike. Mike Marshall is my hero. He was 14 when we were kidnapped, a big kid and quite strong. For a 14-year-old kid to have the gumption to stand up and say no to death takes a lot of courage. He knew what he was going to do might get him killed, but he took the ultimate step for 27 people to survive, to live. I don't know what would have happened that day if Mike hadn't been there, but I do know that because he was there, I am here on this earth to write this book. When I had interviewed Mike the day before, I took a picture of him holding Larry's book. My producers, Sid Upson and Joreen Tanner, thought it could be healing to reunite these two men after all these years, 45 years to be exact. So I went back to Chowchilla on July 15, 2021, the 45th anniversary of the school bus kidnapping, and I asked Larry and Mike to meet me there. I connected with Larry first. He and his wife, Irma, met me in front of Chowchilla's police station. Smoking a cigarette on the 90-degree day, I could tell he was excited and a little nervous, too. Larry, we're here. Wow, the 45-year anniversary of the Chowchilla bus kidnapping. How does it feel for you to be here all these years later? It's always strange to be in Chowchilla, actually. (laughs) Are you looking forward to seeing Mike? Ooh, I'm so nervous. <laughs> I'm really nervous. Why? I don't know. I, you know, I hope he likes me. <laughs> How long since you've seen him? 45 years. 45 years? Yeah, I haven't seen him since I was six years old. Wearing cowboy boots and a cowboy hat, Mike arrived with his big dog, a support animal named Blue, and his mom, Carol. They still live together on a ranch in Madera, about an hour from Chowchilla. Mike makes his living as a rancher and a truck driver. He'd driven down from Oregon that same morning to make it to this reunion. Larry waited a couple of blocks away with his wife while we put microphones on both men. I didn't want to miss the moment when Larry and Mike would finally meet again. And I asked Mike how he was feeling about it. Do you remember spending a lot of time with him that day or not so much, that memory? But for the standout, he's one of them. But stand out, yeah. I got a lot of respect for him being able to forgive what he has and everything, and I uh, look up to him for that. Really, that's a big thing. Well, I can tell you, he really looks up to you too. And what he told us just a minute ago was that I hope Mike likes me. <laughs> oh wow, that's. Um, I hope he likes me. I called out to Larry to let him know it was time. Hey, Larry, come on down. We're ready for you. Just drive your car and you can park in the lot where the marker is. Okay, bye.
understand him. Here he comes. All right, here he comes. Hey, Larry. Hi. How's it going? It's going good. How are you? Good. How are you? Nervous. <laughs> yeah. It's really good to see you. It is good to see you. It's been 45 years. That's crazy, huh? Do you know I'm standing with my hero? I can't believe what he did. I still can't believe it. I appreciate that. Really do. Thank you so much, Mike. As I stood there, the summer sun beaming down, the memorial plaque commemorating the kidnapping just a few feet away, I felt a little like an outsider, so privileged to witness this emotional reunion. Both men were in tears, each thanking the other for making the trip in the midst of a pandemic so they could mark this anniversary together. It didn't seem like anyone else in the town knew it. There were no announcements or anything, but that didn't matter to these survivors of that horrific day. It was over 100 degrees outside, so everyone moved inside City Hall to keep on talking and reminiscing. Wow, it's just incredible for me to see the two of you together here on this 45th anniversary of the Chowchilla school bus kidnapping. Can you believe it's been 45 years? Feels long enough. It's been a long 45 years. Mike, when was the last time you saw Larry? 45 years ago, yeah. Does this day have any sort of special significance or it's just another July day? Well, this is the day that changed our, my life forever. I mean, this day has a ton of significance to me, but it's also the scope of the recovery, like I was saying earlier, I spent this entire day anxious about this moment, not really worried about the day itself. Mm -hmm. It was devastating for so many people, so many families. Well, and not just our families, but all across the world. My sister got letters from England and Australia, Germany. I, I think she got two from Japan of people just writing to say that they were glad we got home safe and they were keeping up with it on their news. I mean, this went worldwide before we really had worldwide. Mike kind of squirmed in his chair and admitted that he was taken aback by the fact that Ed Ray was hailed as the sole rescuer and the reason the children all escaped. I get it. He liked Ed Ray and was conflicted about just how much to say. But he wanted to explain his mix of emotions about who got the credit, who should have gotten more credit, because it was all weighing on him. I felt bad that I felt bad, you know? I mean, I could just be happy and we all got out alive and truth's gonna come out, whatever, you know, and just, but I was 14. And I made too big of a deal out of it in my own head, I think. Larry Park was anxious to jump in here because Mike's role in the escape had weighed on him all these years. He wanted to set the record straight. My dad told me 
that Ed Ray was made the hero of the kidnapping before we ever made it back to Chowchilla. Before anyone even knew the story, they had Ed Ray geared to be the hero. And that was the only way that that was going to play out. They, they didn't want to hear anything else about it. And that's one of the reasons why I wrote my book is because I wanted the truth out there. It, it's not that Ed Ray isn't a hero. Of course he is a hero, but yeah, he Ed is. Ray gave up. There was a point where Ed Ray was like, you know, you got to know when to kick the bucket. But who kept going? Who said, no, we're not kicking the bucket. We're going to exactly. get out of here. You know, who said that? Uh, I don't know, maybe the guy sitting beside me. I don't know. Those were exact words. <laughs> exact words were, look like we're gonna have to stay down here and kick the bucket. Yeah. Okay, well, yes, sir. Then if that's the case, well, I'm gonna, if we're gonna kick the bucket, I'm gonna kick the bucket trying to get the hell out of here then. Yeah. Say that. <laughs> I wanna know what you were thinking when you were poking your head up out of that hole, not knowing what was on the other side. Because I see this, I can see that happening even now in my brain. I can see you standing on the mattresses, you had crawled up into the hole and you were putting your head out. What were you thinking at that point? You know, I really felt uh, strength. Like when you hear about the kid picking the car off his dad or something, uh -huh. you know, and the adrenaline and I was just on a mission. If they were up there, I was ready to take them on. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And at the time, I'm, like I said, a kid, 14. And Edward's hollering, don't hurt him, pretty please don't hurt him. He doesn't know what he's doing. He had my back. He said, they were up there, you know. You were fighting all the devils of hell and death himself, Mike. That's what was behind that door. And you faced it. Even at 14, you did a man's work. Thanks. How is it that you, you happened to be on that bus that day? I mean, I know the story about you were in trouble or you missed the bus before. Do you think that you you know, the fates lined up, the stars lined up to put you on that bus that day. I really believe that Devil and the Bad had a plan to hurt God and the good, and what better way to hurt God and the good than to kill his innocent children. And I believe that God picked me. Oh, I know why God picked you. God picked you because he knew that you were never going to give up. You were not willing to take death as an answer. You were getting out of that hole and you were taking us with you. And God knew that that's what it was gonna be. Against all the odds, you kept digging and you got us out of there. And that's God with us then, that's God with us now. The same God that dug you out of that hole that's the same God that's dug you out of the hole of addiction. It's the same God that's gonna keep digging you out of your holes until you find the light. And you are going to find that light because that same God that was there 45 years ago is the same God living inside you now. 
with a lot more understanding too. And yep. that, that's awesome, so awesome. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Both Larry and Mike struggled with drug addiction for decades. Mike first sought treatment six years after the kidnapping when he was just 20. He had a hard time describing his journey, even what to call it, but he wanted me to know his faith saved his life. Call me what you want. You want to call me an alcoholic or drug addict? Okay. My disease tells me I don't have a choice. When my disease says jump, I said, how high? And the only thing that kept me in between the ditches was every night before I went to bed. I hit my knees for 30 seconds to say thank you. So without the grace of God is the only reason I'm upright taking in air right now today. I know that. I'll guarantee you that. So, Larry, I, you probably have some of the same ideas. You know... I got tired of going in and out of mental hospitals. I got tired of going in and out of jail. I was so mad at God. And one day I told God, I'm willing to let you tell me one thing, but I'm not willing to talk to you. And God said, though you look upon the face of your gods every day, yet you see not the face of your Lord, still you bow down. And that was life altering for me. I said, I am not willing to be a slave to these things. And so I put down my drugs, I put down my anger, I put down my hatred, and decided that it was time for me to live my life instead of just trying to be a survivor. I wanted to be victorious over this crime, and I am. Is that also what helped you find this space to forgive the people that did this? Yes, I had to. My hatred of them was killing me. And so I had to forgive them. And that was not easy. That was a process that took months. But finally, one night, I was able to pray blessings for those men and I even advocated parole for one of them. Larry, in your book, you said, quote, I don't know what would have happened that day if Mike hadn't been there, but I do know that because he was there, I am here on earth to write this book. What do you want him to know now that he's sitting next to you after 45 years? I want you to know that I think about you all the time. You have always been on my mind and in my heart. You are. You were awesome then and you're awesome now. There was a grit in you. There was a, there was a strength in you that I don't know that I have ever seen matched by anyone or anything. And it's true. I know 
that it's only because of you that I am here to tell this story. I know that for a fact. I appreciate that. I really do. One of the things about being a alcoholic and methamphetamine addict, I found out that out of all of addicts that 10% ever get off for any amount of time, like three months. And out of that 10%, 1% stays off. And so I uh, it's got my 10 years. Huh. I like it. It sounds like the two of you both, you've climbed out of a second dark hole to survive. And we did it at almost the same time because he just got his tenure chip. My tenure chip would have come in November of last year. So I'll get my 11 years in November. So even our recovery is right along the same lines. But this is an incredible story. You, you didn't climb out of one pitch black hellhole. You climbed out of two. Oh, I've climbed out of so many, I can't even begin to recall. My life has been a series of these, just this darkness and this overpowering sense of helplessness and depression and anxiety. And I would wake up in the morning and just the first thing I did was start smoking weed. And that's what my day was. All day long, I was smoking weed just to keep the darkness at bay, you know? For so long, I felt like I lived life on the precipice of a dark pit. And every once in a while, I would fall over. And then I would end up in jail or in a psych ward or both going to a psych ward from jail and have to crawl back out of that pit just to stand right back on the precipice. But now, I feel like I am way back from the precipice and it's gonna take a lot to push me that way again. And perhaps sitting next to you is the one person in the world that understands why. Well, you know, I can see tomorrow. Can you see tomorrow now? Yeah. Yeah, do you know what's in tomorrow? Hope. There's hope in tomorrow. When I was drinking, I just wanted to feel better. And um, now I'm sober, I still want to feel better. And what makes me feel better is understanding God's word. Mm -hmm. And him giving me a peace of mind knowing that he's got my back and he believes in me. And if he believes in me, then how am I gonna not believe in me? this has been so incredible to hear you talk to each other share with each other we really really appreciate it I know it's not easy uh, but a lot of people who've never heard about this story are gonna hear about this story so that nobody ever forgets what happened thanks I, I hope you two keep in touch you're not too far away from each other this person 
that I've been thinking about my entire life. I'll say I have some hero worship going on there, you know, and now I've finally met him and he lives up to the hype. Wow. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I really wanted to meet up with you because I really respected how you were able to forgive, and I do admire that. It was a long road, Mike, but I'm going to tell you one thing. It is a road worth taking to get rid of that anger, to get rid of that resentment, hmm. and to live a life free of it. If God can do that, and God tells you to forgive, then you can forgive because nothing is impossible with God. I watched a TV movie about the kidnapping starring Carl Malden as Ed Ray. Even that dramatization, scary as it was, probably didn't come close to what Ed and those kids went through that hot July afternoon. The thick, overpowering smells, the pitch black darkness, the feeling of being forsaken, the not knowing how the ordeal would end or if they'd die. For the remaining survivors, the ordeal continues to unfold, each day presenting new challenges, from coping in the dark to trusting people like me to share their incredible story, hopefully with fairness, tact, and compassion, but also shedding light on parts of the story that no one really knew. Larry and Mike say they plan to keep in touch with each other. I hope they do. I know they'll be keeping an eye on whether Fred Woods is ever granted parole. His next hearing is in 2024. I also hope listeners who, like me, remembered something about that busload of kids that was kidnapped back in the 70s, come away with a better understanding of the crime and its lasting impact on a town and on the people who were there and lived through it. One of the darkest chapters in California history and a miracle of survival brought to light. I'm Claudia Cowan. Thank you for listening. A special thanks to KTVU Fox 2 in Oakland, California, and senior producer Sid Upson, producer Joreen Tanner, editor Michael Sullivan, and photographer Tom Whitaker. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.